Hallelujah. Hey, y'all come on in. We're going to make our way into church tonight. Don't forget to silence your cell phones. I was saying that as I was pulling mine out of my pocket to make sure I had it turned off. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, yep, I do have it turned off. I see the little red button. Jesus. Hey, look, we're going to have a good time tonight in the Lord. We're going to have a good time worshiping. It's good to see everybody. I've been, been driving a lot this week. Been in church every night. So hoping to get saved this week. No, not really. Uh, that's always the joke that we'll say. Like, man, how many times you been in church now this week? Every night this week, and you ain't got saved yet. It's, you know, so we always cutting up. Uh, so, hey, the Internet has been acting real crazy. Sunday it was. Uh, today it still is. We've been troubleshooting it. Uh, they're hopefully going to come out tomorrow and work on it, and we're going to work on some more things trying to figure out. We can't tell if it's them or us. So we're having to – they have to physically come and plug in to try to see if it's them, and I'm going to replace our part to see if it's us. <laughs> so we don't know. But it just – it works. It it goes out, it works, it goes out, it works, it works, and it goes out, and it works. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's real weird. It, ever since the storm, it's been doing that, but at my house, it does that. And so I don't know, but they're saying, no, it shouldn't be doing that, whatever. Uh, so, hey, we got that. Don't forget, also, we have the work day on Saturday, uh, 8 o'clock. I know the ladies are going to work on some things, maybe doing some decorations, you know, getting some things set up in here for, for the Thanksgiving season, moving us toward Christmas, because um, that stuff is all up in there. The men are going to be outside doing a little bit of welding, doing a little bit of stuff out there, doing the awning for the, uh, the bus so we can get the bus out of the weather. We're going to be working on that. Uh, with the amount of people we have, we may be able to do a couple other things, but it's just really going to be how many people show up. But we're going to be here at 8 o'clock. And uh, I think Chip's getting the biscuits. Yeah. Well, he's going to pick up the biscuits, and I'm sure we'll have some coffee somewhere. You know how that generally is. We always have coffee somewhere. Even though I don't drink coffee, we always have coffee. I told that to the church over in uh, Bozier, I think it was. It's like, why y'all always give away free coffee? Why not free Coke? Just, just why not? Why y'all don't ever have Coke machine just sitting out here? Hey, come get some, you know. But everybody wants coffee. I don't know why. So, but anyways, hey, listen, we're gonna pray this tonight, and uh, we're gonna move into some worship. Can we do that? I don't want to take up the whole time just jabbering about nothing. So, all right, Lord, we thank you that we get to be in your presence tonight. Would you are the God that just provides all of our, our needs, supplies everything we have need of, God. You take care of us. You heal us when we're sick. You bless us. You comfort us. You just do all those different things. And tonight we get to be in your presence. We get to sit at your feet, Lord, and we get to sing your praises. And, Lord, we get to hear your word. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we worship tonight and be with us, Lord, as we study your word. Let the word become alive to us truly get down into our hearts and our spirits, that it would transform us forever. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you've done, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Hey, don't forget in a couple weeks, too, the time change is coming. I don't think they canceled it, which they could have. I didn't really care. Uh, but what's going to be really good about it is uh, it's going to be on the 1st, right, November 1st, and we're going to, what, fall back? So we're going to have church on the 31st. And you're going to extra hour of sleep that night. So hallelujah. So see, you come to church and thank God you get an extra hour of sleep that night so you can come back to church the next morning. See that? Huh? We can worship harder. That's what I'm talking about. We can worship harder. Hallelujah. Come on, let's. Oh, yeah, I got to use my thumb. I'm sorry. He's sitting there looking at me like, are you going to turn the music on so we can see? You're good? Okay. You got all the songs memorized? 
Yeah, whatever. Okay, whatever. Hallelujah. Whew. Well, we've been practicing like crazy up here tonight, trying to learn a new song for you. So hopefully you, you've heard this song before called God of Revival. We're going we're gonna to sing it, worship with you tonight for the first time on this song. We're still working on parts of it, but you know what is the, the lyrics in it is what we love. It's an amazing song. It really is. Hallelujah. You ready? Oh God of revival, 
so thankful for you being in this place again, Lord, as we, as we prayed earlier. Lord, be with the, the word tonight, Lord. We know your word is already anointed, but let it pierce our hearts. Let us truly, let us truly accept it, Lord. Let's, let us truly accept it. We ask this all in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give somebody a spiritual high five tonight. Come on, and you can be seated. Hallelujah. Miracle can happen now, yeah. Put that one there since I drank off the other one. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, listen, a while back, Sister Sue had uh, sent me a thing. It was a study that she had been doing, and she's like, you know what? I think that'd be a great study to do at the church. So I was like, so we'd set up a time for her to come and teach it, and I was like, hey, let's move it one more week. Why? Because I'm going to be traveling all week. I say, this would be great. <laughs> so, so I appreciate her willingness and, and desire to come and teach this. And so I got your water right there. I didn't drink out of this one. I kept drinking out of the other ones I got you, so I got them all stacked up. I haven't opened this one. So while well, I'm sitting there talking to people, and I'm thirsty, so I just open them and drink. Oh, that was hers. Let me put that down. So I go get you another one. So, all right. So hopefully you got your Bibles tonight and a pen. Go ahead, sister. Come on up here and, and teach and uh, have your way and, and just minister to us tonight. Amen. And there's your water. I want to touch it again. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, good evening. It's good to see every one of you and welcome our online um, crowd as well. I almost didn't get to teach this between Pastor and Minnie and others. They've almost taught it for me. So today I'm just going to bring back to your memory those things that we all know. Um. I was reading a particular passage, and um, I began to pray in the Holy Spirit in a way with these passages I had never done before. And then the Lord began to show me some things. So today I want to show you what uh, I feel like the Lord would like me to share with you. So if I can have my first. Keeping a welfare mentality. A welfare mentality. Welfare. Well and fair. A good fairing. The world will tell us, this is their definition of welfare now, exemption from misfortune, sickness, calamity, or evil. The enjoyment of health and common blessings of life. Prosperity, happiness applied to persons. Exemption from any unusual evil or calamity. 
the enjoyment of peace and prosperity. Wow. That's, that's the world's vision of oh, our welfare, which means what is good for us. Now, Jesus' view of welfare was a little bit different. His view of the welfare of his saints went this way. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come so that you might have life, and I really want you to have it to the fullest. But he never said, living in a fallen world, that we would not be affected by the evil in the world. That's uh, not anything he ever said. In John 13, 1, which is at the end of Jesus' ministry, he sat with his disciples, and they had the Lord's Supper, and he washed their feet. And after he released Judas to betray him, which is John 13, 27. This is a side note, a small rabbit. But do you realize he had to release Judas to betray him? All in other time, though, he may have had the opportunity. He had to wait for the moment where Jesus said unto him, that thing that you're going to do, go do quickly. There's nothing that happens to us that he is not completely in control of. But after Judas left the table, he began to tell the disciples other things that were going to happen. And at the end of speaking, and he spoke to them from John 13 to John 16, he made this statement. I've told you all these things so that in me you can have peace. This world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome this world. Now that verse to me has a natural con contradiction to itself. You're going to have trouble, but you're going to have peace. You're going to have trouble, but I'm your strength. Okay? But that's to the natural man. That's not to us. So what does the Bible say? Well, I invite you to go back with me to one of Jesus' very first teachings. That I think when I was praying, he showed me some things that I had never seen before. In Matthew 4, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. He was baptized. He went about teaching, healing the sick. All through the fourth chapter of Matthew. And at the fifth chapter of Matthew, number one, he said, Now when Jesus saw the crowd that had been following him because of all the miracles he was doing, he went up on the mountain and he sat down with his disciples, came to him, and he began to teach them. Jesus looked at all that crowd following him, and there was something that he felt like they needed to know to continue following them. He, he wasn't satisfied with them just following him for the miracles. There's something deeper here. And so... I want you to help me go. I want you to follow me in Matthew 5 because we're going to go to what he calls our beautiful attitudes. That is his welfare. That is his plan for our welfare is in the Beatitudes. The very first one says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I disagreed with that. My flesh didn't like that one. What do you mean, what, Lord? I mean, seriously, I asked this question. Why do you want me to be poor in spirit? Why do you want that? But here's the thing. 
In the strongest concordance, poor means literally a beggar, a fugitive. In the Hebrew strongs, it means reduced to begging, destitute of wealth, lowly afflicted, destitute of Christian virtues and eternal riches, helpless, powerless to accomplish any end, poor, needy, lack of anything. What does that sound like? That sounds like my condition before I ever got saved. And actually, it was all of our conditions before we ever got saved. We had to come to a place where we realized, Lord, I am not enough. I love that little saying that says, I am enough. Well, with Jesus Christ, I am enough. But without him, I will never be enough. And when I read that, something inside of me began to stir. And it said, Lord, let me never, let me never be enough. Let me never think that I'm strong enough or I'm wise enough or I'm, I haven't, I can motivate myself. Let me always remember that I am poor in spirit and I need you to fill the void and be the strength and the help and the wisdom and the knowledge. And I do not have it. But I would have never seen that. So God wants us to keep that in us, to always remember that we are in absolute need of the Lord. And you know what? We're not the only people who realize that all the way through our walk, we have to be reminded of this. Um, Isaiah's commission. He said, in the year of King Uzziah died. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And what did he say? He said, woe is me. I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. So this wasn't that Isaiah just shows up and decides he's going to serve God this day. But when he had an encounter with the Lord, he realized in himself, though he'd been walking with the Lord, there were still areas that were in need. I daily find areas in my Christian walk where I am still in need. Gives me a choice. Do I humble myself and say, Lord, I need you? Or do I say, ah, that's okay, God, I got this one. This is a small one. No. <laughs> There's never small ones. There really isn't. So we find when Jesus met Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And he came to the Lord and he said to him, Lord, we know that nobody can do the works you do unless they come from God. Um, so what can, you know, no man can do these miracles, but what thou do it is for God. And Jesus answered him and said, Verily, very I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus says, we know that no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except he comes from God. Jesus doesn't seem to answer his question, but he did. Just like he answered the question of all that multitude when he was sitting on that mountain that day, teaching to them, don't come see me just for the miracles. Through my Holy Spirit, it's going to indwell you one day. I'm going to begin to make changes in you, and the kingdom of God is going to live in you. You're going to be able to possess the kingdom of God in you through the Holy Spirit. We're going to always be learning that. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, we know when people lose loved ones. I've lost loved ones. 
um, they mourn. I mean, there really is. There's something there to mourn for. Isaiah spoke about the Messiah. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the prisons for those that are bound. to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to appoint unto them who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that thy might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. I love this scripture because it shows me so many other things that human beings mourn. I have just come through an, a, a season of mourning where I, I chose to do something in order to reach a different end. And it seemed like for a period of time, I wasn't going to reach that ending. And I began to mourn the fact that, did I make a mistake? What am I doing? I've had dreams fail, and I mourn those dreams as if they're human beings. I, it's not that I don't trust him, but I have that separation. Mourning is a separation, period. Um, and we do that. We can mourn our captivity. Let's say the Lord has us in a particular place spiritually. He's trying to teach us something. And, you know, even the Egyptians, I mean, even the Israelites mourned being in Egypt. So there, there are times in human nature we're going to mourn things that we feel like we can't obtain or that we have lost. Why is the Lord wanting us to be in a spirit of mourning. Well, he's teaching us things. He's breaking things off of us. He is making us that tree of righteousness. Actually, he showed me this when I was just sitting over there. He is making us the light of the world and a city that's set on a hill that can't can't be hidden. That's God's desire for us. But sometimes we have to go to a place where we're willing to let loose and surrender it to God and move on. And that, you know, now I have to say that's one of the places where I struggle. I do. <laughs> In Ecclesiastes 7, In verse 1, and I'm going to go to 8. A good, a good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. The NIV says it's better to go to the house of the mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every one. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of countenance the heart is made better. Ah, clue number one. Why does the Lord want us to keep a spirit of mourning? And I don't mean sadness and grieving. And because our heart is made better that way. 
It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and the gift destroys the heart. Um, and the NIV will say, extortion turns a wise person into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Which is the first verse that says, it's better to go into the house of the morning than to go into the house of feasting because death is for everybody and they need to remember that. You're never going to get away from the word of God. You're never going to get away from feasting on that word of God. But we don't need to get just thrown away and trying to fill the void with the things out in the world. We need to fill them with the Lord. Because what he is building in us, that city on a hill, that tree of righteousness that he's planting for all to see. To him has much more value and price than our comfort at the moment. <laughs> Blessed are the meek. I think this is one word that has been totally misunderstood in the Bible. And I can't tell you I have grasped a great understanding of it. But I can tell you I came across this story that I think exemplifies it is a great example of it it says the elephants are so strong they have frequently been used for logging I did not know that because <laughs> here we use trackers and logging trucks to carry large logs and even uproot trees these giants are usually gentle especially when trained from a young age The elephant's trunk is particular in, is an example of strength coupled with precise control. The trunk with more than 40,000 individual muscles is strong enough to rip branches from trees, sensitive enough to pick up a single blade of grass. Now remember we're talking about blessed are the meek. The trained elephant illustrates the great value of having both strength and careful gentleness. Unlike the proverbial bull in the china shop, I will raise my hand and say, that has been me many times. Open mouth, insert foot. Yes. Compared to England, the Greek language has more precise words for describing the valuable qualities of trained animals like the elephant and the horse. The New Testament uses these same Greek words for a virtue God wants his people to develop. Meekness, I can, I honestly believe, and I, I make this statement, meekness is not something you ever get to. It is something you strive for as long as you live. We're always working towards it. I don't think we ever get to a state of perfection of meekness. I think we grow and get better at it as the Holy Spirit leads us. And we learn to listen to him more. And when he tells us not to do something, don't. And when he tells us to do something, we do it. But meekness, I don't think, is a state of being that we ever actually come to. But we should be striving for it always. We are meek, yielded, teachable, responsive. First of all, our relationship with God, and secondly, meek, humble, gentle, and respectful to others with people. To become the kind of people God must tame and train us to be.
And that will be all of my life, that he is doing that for me. Meekness is active. It is not passive. It is strong. It is not weak. In Psalms 37, there are examples of meekness all through the Bible. But I just happen to like this one. So, Psalms 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Number two. For they shall soon be cut down like grass. Number three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Number four. Delight thyself in the Lord. Now, that doesn't sound like this person's being passive at all. This person is actively engaging the Lord. Meekness learning, being teachable, it's an action. It's, 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 you don't, it's not passive. You don't just sit. Commit your ways to the Lord. Number six, and he, and he shall turn. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as light, thy judgment as the noonday. That takes a lot of courage. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage when you don't see the ending and you feel like you're, as they say, stuck in the hall. See the other, uh, brother, Tommy Tenney, is that right? Came and preached that, and I'm like, don't preach that sermon yet. <laughs> Dancing in the hall. But you know what? It takes a lot of courage to dance in the hall and to trust God, and you're in the middle of something. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. This is number, this is verse 7. I'm just hitting the first parts, really. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, or because of a man who brings wicked devices to pass. That takes a lot of restraint and not a lot of excessiveness to do that. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. That's graciousness. That's not being brass. That's forgiving and not being bitter. These are qualities of being meek. Psalms. 37 is just one example. You can find these all through. I just pulled one for us. So what, what begins to cultivate in me when I stay humble? What begins to cultivate in me when I stay meek? What begins to cultivate in me when I, I begin to um, be poor, when I begin to remember that I'm always in need of the Lord? Here's something else that begins to cultivate. Blessed are the hung, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, one of the things I didn't realize when I was reading this, these are not put down random in any random order. They're put down in a specific order. They're in a growth order. They start from salvation, and they start from learning how to walk with the Lord. And... Now we're, and then when I'm doing these things and I'm learning to be meek and I'm learning to give out his uh, attributes to the, to the world so I can be that city, I can be that tree of righteousness, that gives and stirs up a hunger and a thirst in me because, you see, I have to read the word to know what I'm supposed to do. The Holy Spirit uses the word to teach us what we're supposed to do. The Bible says, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. And I believe that's Isaiah 55, but I'm not sure. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is no bread, or your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently to me, and eat, that ye may be 
that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. You know, hunger, hunger and thirst, it's it's a driving force. When I'm thirsty, I'm going to start looking for water. My body tells me. And if I don't give it to it within about three days, the organs start shutting down. I mean, we have to have it. And I think it's 40 days for food, if I'm not mistaken. Um, It's a driving force. The question is, Am I going to direct or am I going to follow the Holy Spirit and eat of the good things? Am I going to buy from the Lord the wine and the milk and the word and feed my soul and my spirit with that? Or am I going to start looking outwardly? Well, my flesh, the first response is it's going to look outwardly. And so when I find myself not really feeling like, I'll read my Bible later. Maybe I've got a little bit too much of my diet of the world. And I need some more of the this training of the Holy Spirit. I may have to back up a little bit back to blessed are the poor. <laughs> I find this to be revolving. I find the word to be ever present, ever right now. And I find it, if I had to describe it, it would be a, a circular. It's always circulating back to me. I might, I might get a handle on this little part that the Holy Spirit's teaching me, and then he has to open my eyes and say, okay, but you've let this slack. Come on. It's ever circular. It's ever learning. It's ever one upon the next. One, and, and I'm growing as I go. I think I'm standing still or I'm walking this plane. But in actuality, I'm not spiritually. I should be walking this plane because we know when it comes to a triangle, it's wider at the bottom and narrow at the top. And what does the word say? Straight is the gate. And the more of God we get, and the more he takes away from us, and and the more hungrier we get to him, the narrower that focus gets. And we wind up at the top one day. We will go on to be with him. And then we're going to see everything he was doing. We will see it then. He said, incline your ear and come to me here, and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David, and they will be filled. Does the Lord lead you to hunger and thirst for himself? I believe he does. I really do. I think he's created every man too, and I think if he has to put you in a drought, he will. He'll do, you know, because his main focus is not, I'm going to say this, maybe I should block my way, is not our comfort. Don't throw something at me. It's not our comfort. It's our eternal security and us being a light to those out there. And it's not something we can do on our own. We have to follow the Holy Spirit. You know, it's just, we, we have to. Deuteronomy 8. All the commandments which I have commanded. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. This is when he gave them the Ten Commandments. And he spoke from one all the way through the end of Deuteronomy. I don't, I don't find a place where he stopped speaking in Deuteronomy. It just kept going. But anyway, in 8. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the land swear unto your fathers, that thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led these these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, (laughs) to prove thee, to know that was in, what was in thine heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, I can tell you he already knew what was in our hearts, but he wanted us to see it. 
and there's many times he's had to show me what was in my heart. There's been times I've spoken something, and I've gotten it out of my mouth just to have the thought hit me, oh, did I just say that? Do I really think that? Yeah. So he led them in the wilderness, not in the green pastures. It was wilderness. And we, we see why he says that. You will remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thy heart, whether thou would keep his commandments. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. Oh, wow. He took that wilderness experience to humble them and to make them hungry for him. And fed thee with manna that thou knewest not, neither did your fathers know, that might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He did feed them with physical manna. We, we know that. He fed them with another manna. He fed them with the word of God. He gave them actually the Ten Commandments and some statutes and all he wanted them to follow, which one of them, I think, was washing hands. <laughs> I don't know if it was social distancing, but it was washing hands. And, you know, Jesus reused that statement again later on in the New Testament. In Psalms 47, it says, As the deer pants for the water and brook, so pants my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before thee? You know, when are you calling me into your chambers? When are you going to call me into your court? When do I not have to stand out? When can I come into the holiest of holies? When can I really, yeah, you know, you're starting to cultivate that hunger and that thirst to be in his presence, to be able to go in and say to him things that you just don't want to tell anybody else. You know, that private, secret place where in your prayer life where you can come before, you really know he's there. And you're like, I just got to tell you this. I just, I got to tell you, Lord, I'm afraid. I got to tell you, Lord, I don't know. I just got to tell you these things. You know them already. And Jesus told the Samaritan woman, he said, whoever drinks of the waters that I shall give them will never thirst again. But the water I shall give them shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Okay, so he's going to give me water to drink, and then a well spring's going to spring up in me. Why? Because I'm to pour that out for others. And, you know, in my goodness, people will say, oh, yeah, you're so lucky. But in the hard times, they'll come to me and say, how did you do that? And that opens the doors for people to see there's something different about us. That's when we, the jar that they carried around the walls of Jericho becomes broken and you see the lanterns that are inside. Correct? Correct story? I think so. In John 6, 13, I'm going to leave you with this. Jesus said, The bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth light unto the world. They then they said unto him, Lord, Evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. That cometh, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth in me shall never thirst. These first parts of the Beatitudes are all 
of things the Lord desires to do in us. The next few are what God desires for us to do for others. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And the end result of this is a standing, lasting relationship with him that can weather all things. So I thank y'all for listening to me tonight. I'm not going to go through all of these. I hope you've learned this, and I hope you begin to see the patterns. And I hope you take these patterns and can go through the other parts of the Bible and say, oh, I, I see. that sometimes there are patterns in the Bible, and things are not randomly written. So thank you. All right, so here's two notes that I took already. Next week, we're going to keep going, though. We're going to keep we're going to keep going in this, finishing it. So, so here was one thing that, that the Lord spoke to me at the very beginning. When you were talking about a city on a hill and the Beatitudes, I had this picture. If I'm supposed to be a, a, a lighthouse, he's still cleaning my glass. I was like, that was cool, Lord. So I had to jot that down real quick. And then I had to I already sent this to another pastor friend of mine. If I find myself full and I haven't been feasting on the word, maybe I'm too full of the world. I didn't, he's already like, oh, my God. I'm like, you should have been preaching, but I'm going to fuss at him later. So that was good stuff. Thank you, Sue. I appreciate that. That was some good stuff. And y'all learned something? I, I, I really liked it, man. And again, next week, we're going we're gonna to pick it up again next week, and she's going to continue to teach. Yeah, that was awesome. I love it when I can sit there and take down notes and, and text them to people. And I didn't take the credit, though. I gave it to you. So, uh, But as long as I give it to her, I can preach it. So, but... Uh, no, that was really good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I love to hear different people's take on how they've been learning and what God's showing them. And like I've told you before, I'm not the only person in this house that hears from God. You know, I'm not. And uh, so, listen, let's pray tonight. And uh, we're going to go and y'all can hang out a little bit if you want to and go home. I don't know whatever's going to happen. Uh, but I know we, we've got there was a funeral today uh, for Shade. And so we need to pray for for the family, uh, for for the granddaughters. It was her husband that was was a. Uh, buried today. I know we need to pray for that. I know we still have some that are, that are feeling ill, and we need to pray for those as well. So, Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I thank you for this word tonight, Lord, that, that just already the things that you begin to put into my spirit that I can take home with me tonight that will help me become better, to help me become, my glass become more and more clean so I can shine your light in all that I do. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord, and I pray that I know there's some that are sick. Father, we just continue to speak healing and health over them and their homes in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know we're still living under this, this pandemic rule. Lord, and I just continue to speak health over our people, Father. I know sometimes it, it, it lasts a little bit longer from uh, some than others, and we just speak health over them, Father, in the name of Jesus. We know you're the God that healeth thee. And Lord, I know today they had a funeral for a young man and went home way too early. And, Lord, I know that, that the family is grieving right now and they're mourning. But, Lord, I pray that the comforter would come. I know that your spirit will comfort them. But, Lord, I pray that you would use other believers to come and put their arm around them and speak the words of life. Speak the words of comfort straight from your word and from your spirit, Lord. Lord, because right now they need a physical touch as well. And let this be opportunity, Father, that, that people would come to know the true comforter the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ through this time as well. Lord, so I bless the people tonight. I thank you for this worship team, Lord. I just speak a blessing over them and their families for all the time they take out and, and the people that come to serve here tonight. And, Lord, we just, we're just we just so gracious. We're so 
humbled by your presence and all that you've done for us. And Lord, let us come back Saturday and, and have a safe work day, Lord, and, and just get things done around your house and let us have fun as well as we fellowship with each other. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to sign off, guys. Love you.